I am Yanato Blue here once again with Michael Darling, as always. And this week we are joined by uh, Steph Metzger. <laughs> uh, I do believe we yeah. <laughs> owe you the proper honorific, especially uh, given the circumstances of referring to you as Doctor Steph. Thank Metzger. you. Yeah, motherfuckers, we have our first PhD <laughs> on the program. Yep, what's up, Doc? It is even more of an honor than I thought it would be to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, before we get started, can you tell us what you are a doctor in? So my PhD is in dairy science, and I have training in lactation physiology and microbiology. Um, so I have thought long and hard about Pokemon physiology and the logistics of it. <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to this. Oh, this so, is gonna be good. So there's a part of me that thinks it was kind of a kind of a misplan on our parts not to bring you in for the Militank episode. Oh, you're right. But then again, that might hit a little <laughs> bit too close to home and like kind of turn this into work for you for to have you like lecturing us on how cow milk physiology actually works. <laughs> so let's let's focus on some slug boys today. But tell us a little bit more about your background with Pokemon and like So know. I played like the old school original Pokemon on my brother's Game Boy when we were kids and then did not play it again in between the end of the 1900s and 2016 <laughs> when Pokemon Go came out, at which point I was like, holy crap, it's Pokemon again, but in the actual world. So I was super <laughs> excited. And so in Pokemon Go, when they introduced like... <laughs> second generation i was like oh my gosh what's a hobbit like what are all these <laughs> so i mean i think we yeah i think in hindsight it was a really smart move of them to make pokemon go limited to just the first 150 so it was a good re-entry point for oh, yeah. people like us because i hadn't touched pokemon in about the same mm -hmm. amount of time too and now i'm like oh i have to get a switch because i need to be able to play pokemon again especially since they're gonna do Pokemon Snap, which was, like, the greatest game. Oh, yeah, this is oh, our, man. this is the first time we've recorded since that announcement, and I am so excited for that. Yeah, I never, I never, uh, I rented the original Pokemon Snap for a weekend from Blockbuster, and I remember that was, like, that was in those early days when I was just starting to get to that age where you stay up until 4 a.m. playing video games mm -hmm. on the weekend. So yeah, I definitely pulled all-nighters with that game for the weekend I had it. Oh, we yeah. rented it enough times that we definitely should have just bought it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely I definitely remember having that calculus <laughs> of like, all right, I, if I rent this again, then it's going to be a waste that I didn't just like save up another 20 bucks and buy it from Toys mm -hmm. R Us or whatever. RIP Toys R Us while we're at it. Yeah. Um, but speaking of games... We have one we say, like to play here on the podcast. I was going to say, though, about, like, renting a game for the weekend. That was the thing you had to do. Like, you get it on Friday, and your mission for the entire weekend was to beat that thing before you had to give it back on Sunday mm -hmm. before going to school on Monday. Well, I remember also there were, like, these two kids one year that I was in third grade, I think, that used the same blockbuster I did to rent games on Friday. So on some Friday afternoons, if we knew a big game was coming out, it would literally be us running up from West End Avenue, <laughs> up 93rd Street, 
to the blockbuster on Broadway and just charging into the blockbuster to try to get the games. Uh. Like, we didn't know each other or acknowledge each other in school except on that Friday when we were running together to Blockbuster. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. But yeah, a game that requires less physical activity is Mon Mom. Steph, would you I like to play? I absolutely would. Michael, are you ready to defend your title, your oh, championship yeah. belt? Oh, yeah. All What's right. the scoreboard, by the way, since it's been a while? So, because of our uneven scheduling, I really do need to go back and listen <laughs> to the past episodes. I will have a scoreboard update for us next time, but darling, I feel pretty safe in saying that you have consistently... I don't feel like we've had a guest actually get it in a long time. Huh. Like, So that's part of the reason why I haven't kept super close tabs on it. I feel like it's either been uh, ties or you getting it. Um, but I don't think a guest has got. I don't think a guest has gotten a point on the board for this uh, for this season so far. Um, hopefully, nope. the doctor's in the house <laughs> and she's got the prescription to give Michael Darling a bruising in this game. So for the uninitiated, uh, Mon Mom is the game where I have sent my mom a picture of one of the Pokemon that we'll be discussing today. Uh, so that means I have sent her a picture of either Slugma, Magcargo, Swinub, Pillaswine. Corsola, Remoraid, or Octillery. She's seen one of these Pokemon. She is going to describe it briefly and give it a name, and it'll be up to Michael and the Doc to determine <laughs> which one she's talking about. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. All right, here we go. This Pokemon looks like a piggy bank. I will name it Snort. Okay, so it looks like a piggy bank, and she will name it Snort. Now we let Michael go first because he has a weird mind meld with my mom at this point that makes him super good at this game. <laughs> so that gives guests the option to play defensively and copy his guess or to branch out and play offensively. So Michael, what are you picking? Um, let's see. So a piggy bank. I have to go with Swinub here because, you know, there's only one other pig-like Pokemon and it's a lot hairier than a piggy bank. Okay. What does the I'm going to have to agree with that, especially since with the lines on it, that even gives more of an impression of, like, here's the little, here's Swinub's coin slot. I've got bad news. We're going to need a second opinion on this one. Whoa. It's, uh, it's actually Corsola. I see that. That's wild, though. Yeah. It's the pink color, the more rounded body. I can, I like, I totally, it. it's one of the... Nearly every time I send these to my mom and her, like, visceral reaction, it's always an, oh, yeah, moment for me. And I <laughs> totally see it. Because she doesn't know what the context of that thing is. She doesn't know it's supposed to be coral. She just knows it's a pink, round body thing that just, it's like a piggy bank that just happens to have two stalks sticking out of it. Um, <laughs> we'll get to Corsola. It's a fairly depressing Pokemon, especially with its Galarian update. Um, but let's start off with the Lava Boys. Uh Darling, if you always, I always love it when you cue us up with the bio. I just want to say, when you call them Lava Boys, I just think about Popstar and the Style Boys. <laughs> Popstar, an amazing motion picture, if you have not seen Can it. Can I get a Lava Boys sweatshirt? Let me see that donkey roll. I'll put that in over my bad vocalization of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like that, a Lava Boys sweatshirt. Oh, I saw someone in a Style Boy sweatshirt at a mall once, and I was just like, I want to know everything about you. Wait, come uh, back. Have you seen? God, have yeah. Have you seen that there is one for Animal Crossing now too? 
Oh, that's a great. Style Boys Animal yeah. Crossing sweatshirt. Oh, that's great. In the game, yeah. I assume, not Yeah. Oh. All right, okay. I'm banned. I banned myself from playing that game, but Michael, if you get it, can you please send me a <laughs> screenshot? I'll have to look this up. Yeah. Uh, yes, we... Baloo gifted me and my girlfriend his copy of Animal Crossing because he realized this was not healthy for him. I remember hearing about that, and I was like, that seems like a very wise choice. That's why I haven't started it, because I was like, I don't think that I would stop. Because I played the Pocket yeah, I, for a I while, have... and I was like, this next level is too intense for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't need to. I don't need to go into the whole details of everything I accomplished in my fewer than seventy-two hours with the game. But suffice it to say that literally everyone I told what I accomplished in just three days in the game, because it's all stage gated based on time, so there's only so much you can get done. But everybody was like, but everybody I told was like, "Holy crap!" Like, it was like scorched <laughs> earth. The entire island was clear of every flower bush, every tree. Like, just completely, and they said, well, good thing you didn't get the terrain leveler. I'm like, no, that would have broken me. I'm picturing the episode of Community when they do the video game, and they go back to the island, and Abed has made, like, the big shrine to himself. That's like, the big golden Abed. Oh, man. Oh, God. <laughs> I literally, so I do Dungeon Master, two D&D campaigns in my spare time, and I have been compared to Abed more than, more than once throughout the course of it. Um, but... Let's pull away from Community, which I'm going to find a way to reference Community at some point else in the show. I love that show. It's one I mean, of my favorite TV shows of all time. This is partially a Community podcast. We've kind of been over that. <laughs> it's partly an NBC early 2000s podcast, more <laughs> like. Um, Can I stream it on Peacock? Yeah, so, <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. We are, uh, we're broadcasting on Peacock Launch Day, the most exciting launch day since the opening of Disneyland. What is Peacock? It's NBC's streaming service, but it's free with oh. paid options. And it's like everything NBC has the rights to slash new stuff, including because you demanded it, a Saved by the Bell reboot. That sounds horrible oh, because God. it's Saved by the Bell. That's, um, yeah, that sounds like what Hulu used to be until they made the free version of Hulu just completely unwatchable, like, with how many ads and just mm. how terrible the UI is. I mean, the, uh, the UI for Hulu paid is even terrible anyway, but... Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Lava Boys. <laughs> I've been talking about these guys for a while because we've been leading up to them in terms of, like, completely unbelievable Pokemon that just stretch even, like, the limitations of, like, fantasy <laughs> zoology. Yeah. And I'm... I... I think these Sorry, are incredibly ahead, boring, but I also love them. Uh, so to get to the top of the thing, the type. Uh, so we got Slugma, which is just a pure fire slug. And then my cargo is fire and rock. And what's interesting is that this is another one of those cases that I found so fascinating and frustrating in Gold and Silver. That this is a new Pokemon that you can't get until the back half of the game after you've beaten the Elite Four and you go back to Kanto. So you can't access them. I've said this before. You can't access them in the main game itself, even though they're new Pokemon. So I've leveled this criticism before. That's yeah, and that's that's already poor game design in my opinion. But we come back to a criticism I've leveled at plenty of Pokemon before, which is that for some reason the game designers take it on themselves to try to make like this really fancy sounding like <laughs> biological explanation as to how these things live. 
that end up making less sense <laughs> than if they just said nothing at all. So, Steph, we have a Pokemon that apparently is made of living <laughs> lava. And it somehow transports its nutrients throughout oxygen bubbles in its body. So oxygen is the medium of transference for minerals and nutrients throughout this thing's body. That makes no <laughs> sense to me. <laughs> like, how are these bubbles? Like, I'm, I'm, like, trying to picture, like, a bubble on its underbelly picking stuff up and somehow, like, encasing stuff and then just moving this stuff around. What like, does it move it around to? Like, are there organs in there? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like how is how are the organs distinguished from one bit of lava <laughs> to another bit of lava? <laughs> yeah, like I like these in the sense that they fit in a fantasy tradition of like the Balrog and other kind of fire magma monsters, but they went so far in trying to make it work in the real world that it's just insane. Well, it's like okay, so no, the stomach tract is actually sedimentary rock <laughs> lava, whereas the heart is obsidian lava. So it's two totally different kinds of lava, you guys. They're not mixing. <laughs> oh god. Oh. I do love how it looks, though. If it weren't for the fact that like this lore is right there underneath it, like I would love it. And so, just taken from a purely design perspective, I love this melty Yoshi boy. He looks like a Yoshi pop just left out in the sun for like. <laughs> five minutes and i adore it <laughs> yeah i did not realize until i was looking at it more closely for my research prior to this i was like oh it's got the little <laughs> hands next to its face but no those are like <laughs> drooly little Eyebrows? no 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 like hanging off of its face oh, that yeah. are like kind of like yeah, drooly, drooly, chin drooly yeah. slug drowls i always I, um, just thought that they were like little yeah, hands I, uh... which now that I look at it, I'm like, why did I think that? It's like I mean, really I do, things were a mustache. I do want to encourage everybody, if you haven't done this, Google a picture of like a close-up of Slug's face. Like, I think we kind of take for granted the fact that they have actual faces. Um, like, it's very weird. <laughs> and yes, we are all oh. Googling this right now, I can guarantee. You can get a oh Slug God, Latex yeah. Max. Mask. <laughs> so when you have to mask oh up God. for quarantine, you can go out in a slug latex mask and just paint it oh red God. and be slugma. I mean, I don't know what you guys googled, but the third row of my image results has multiple people with snails crawling over their faces. Apparently, that's a facial treatment. Really? I just googled slug that's face. That's what I did, too. Is that... Although... Oh, I've got something good, though. Uh, someone has a... This was a meme, apparently, at some point, where someone took people doing guitar face. So, like, Carlos Santana, Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> uh, Dave Grawl. Like, all playing guitar, all, uh, like, making insane guitar face. But the guitar has been photoshopped to be replaced with a slug. And it's... It's weird. So funny to me. This is it's weird. weird. This works so Ooh. well. Yeah, so I just sent you guys the link to an article about the snail face treatment, which apparently involves putting three snails on your faces, face for 20 minutes and gives your face an amazing glow, which is one hell of a way to describe your face being covered in <laughs> snail slime. <laughs> and the woman in the photo just has such a, I can't believe this is my job. Like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> Look. 
Yeah. Oh man. I'm going to send Ooh, the group that is the a, like, Carlos Santana traumatized look on her face. She does not look happy. What is that? <laughs> oh my god. Oh, what the fuck did you find? I Seth? don't quite know. It's it's a human slug face apparently. <laughs> All the horrors that we have found will be in the show notes. I mean, you're the right person for this. We, uh, this is, you're, this is like, this is very, you're very much like the doctor that we meet in a Lovecraftian <laughs> story that, like, takes us down, like, the spirals of madness. Um, but, I'm so yes, I've sent the Carlos Santana slug face to the group. For someone who just met me and doesn't even know my past <laughs> history of, like, yeah, I have a skin guy. He gets me human skin delivery. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad that even without knowing that. I can immediately make that impression on people. We're joined well, now today. we do. We're joined here on Mon Men by Dr. Hannibal Metzger. <laughs> the very Victorian three-piece suit and top hat suddenly make total sense. <laughs> I've joked to someone before that it's going to be hilarious if the solution to COVID is just leeches. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've, I've had, I have a plague doctor mask, of course that I'm like just tempted every single day to start wearing as my face mask anytime I go out shopping, but I haven't, it's just still too raw right now in terms of how bad things are. Maybe once we're at the tail end of this, I'll start, I'll do that. Once I know that it's about when everything's about to get lifted. But, but speaking of terrible deaths, uh, going back to the biology of this thing. I just want to remind everyone, Google slug guitar face. (laughs) Uh, while you are listening to this episode, because it's an amazing set of results. Oh, someone did uh, BB King holding a <laughs> octopus, and I'm, oh, this is good. This is good. Bless you, internet. You're evil and horrible and wonderful at the same time. All right. So, hey, Steph, what were we this, I was saying that this that this Pokemon's death is kind of very weirdly horrifying because, like. Similar to Charmander, so I guess this is this generation's Charmander because, like, it dies and it apparently it dies by cooling, and then goes brittle, and then it just breaks apart like an ashen cinder block. So I wonder if there isn't like a graveyard of Slugma somewhere near like a volcano in Hawaii or something oh, like that. Oh yeah, like mm. or a Lola, Once you sorry. get a certain distance away, that's how far they can crawl before they cool <laughs> down, and then it's just like oh step over kind of like the high tide line it's the slugma line mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and you've just got like this garden of like petrified like three dozen petrified slugma that tourists go and like sit on for photos when they're in alola <laughs> oh now i have to look and see if it's actually in the alola decks because that would be i don't think it's in any of the gen 7 games but keep talking as i look this up because i'm just curious now this seems yeah, like such I mean, an obvious one for Hawaii. Like, I mean, and Steph, you you brought up a good point in the uh, in the notes um, about the oxygen thing, which is that yeah, I'm pretty sure the oxygen might just combust at that temperature because like it is oxygen yeah. is flammable. So if they're saying it's like it's they didn't say air, they said oxygen specifically. So I don't know if there's some kind of weird like covalent bonding thing where the oxygen is being used to like slightly dissolve the minerals or something like that. I'm no chemist. Somebody who's good at <laughs> atoms, tell me what how that works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just to update, Slugman Mag Cargo do not appear in the Alolo region, the region inspired by Hawaii, aka the place that would make the most sense to have 
volcano connected Pokemon. Yep, missed mm-hmm. opportunity there. Yeah. Um, so I, but I mean, I, I think this guy is cute. I think he's very, I think he's a very drippy, cute, sluggy boy. Um, I have fewer problems with their attempt at biology than I do with Magcargo. Um, and we obviously have some science to discuss with Magcargo. I'm looking over the notes. <laughs> like I, so, I, so the way, listeners, just to give you a peek behind the scenes, I do the first draft of the notes, and then everybody else kind of comes in and puts their inputs on. So I'm seeing that we have like a little bit of a psych- scientific discourse <laughs> about Magcargo happening. <laughs> Which is fantastic. So, Steph, I'll let you take the lead on this one. What do you think about Magcargo, based on the fact that it's 18,000 degrees Fahrenheit? So, 18,000 degrees Fahrenheit, obviously, when uh, I saw that you were like, oh, that's literally twice as hot as the sun. So, I looked it up just to calculate, like, exactly how much hotter than the sun it was, and it is 1.7 times as hot as the sun. So then, next, I decided to see, okay, what's the hottest something can get? And it turns out that since stars change color, like the color of the stars, depending on how hot it is, the blue stars are around 18,000 Fahrenheit. So really, the problem is that mag cargo should be blue instead of red because of how hot it's burning. That's the Imagine only... trying to explain that to a five-year-old <laughs> yes, kid, though. That is the only problem with its whole backstory. I don't know why. That just reminded me of the fact that, like, so I have an amazing nephew who lives out in New York. Um, great kid. Uh, he's about 12 now. Um, his name is Chris. Shout out to Chris. Um, I'm pretty sure his mom does not let him listen to this podcast because she knows I have a filthy mouth and filthy mind. Um but uh, I remember back when Chris was like four. I don't know kids very well. I'm not a parent. I thought Thankfully. taking him to the, I thought taking him to the museum would be a good idea to like spend some time with him while I was in New York one weekend. Did not realize that a four-year-old might not be like old enough to appreciate what they're looking at in the Museum of Natural History in terms of bones. Um, so I spent the entire day trying to explain to him like, no, these are bones of like creatures that like just like you have bones and he just poor kid just was so confused and trying his best to like follow what his uncle was saying and Uh i was just like all right let's just go watch a star war (laughs) (laughs) the blue star thing i mean so we have a literal star walking around with a little stone Mm -hmm. on its back um and it's a it's a pretty sizable creature like you know, there. I so I tapped into some Reddit threads where people were trying to discuss this. And again, I want to circle back to the point I made before. Nobody told the Pokemon people to write that number down. Yeah. Nobody asked them to write a number down. All they had to say that it is hot, is hot as lava, and we would just accept that. That'll be fine. Lava is a thing we have in this world. Instead, they decided, no, no, no. We gotta, <clears throat> we gotta go extreme. We gotta make kids feel impressed. Eighteen thousand oh. degrees. I've spoken before about how it seems like all of these Pokedex entries were probably written by the 12-year-olds that Professor Oak sends out into the world (laughs) to investigate Pokemon. But this one's so absurd because it's such a weirdly specific number. Like, if it just said, its body can be as hot as the sun, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's a 12-year-old writing it. But 18,000 degrees is so specific. How did they measure that? Yeah, I also want to give it... Like, do you just put... A regular 
oral thermometer in a mag cargo (laughs) (laughs) while you have your big lava gloves on so you don't get burned up from being a foot away from it oh i mean i guess that's what the kids did they like tried to shove like a regular oral thermometer that they would use to like check their temperature for a fever and it like melted and they were like this is like eighteen thousand degrees i put this in my mouth when i have a fever and that's like 105 Oh, that's fine. I also love the fact that you made a Supergirl reference in the note about the Blue yes. Star as well. Not Superman. Supergirl. Are you <laughs> yeah, so I've never been totally clear on the lore of Supergirl. Are they from the same planet? Are they from the same planet, or is, or is Supergirl from a neighboring They're like? They're from moon, the same planet. She is They're cousins. His cousin. Okay. And in the TV show, at least, there's some time nonsense. Where she's actually older than him, but she spent some time in a place where time doesn't exist, so now she's younger than him again. So, anyway, the temperature yeah. of the yeah, star I think I watching... apparently makes the difference because red sun versus yellow sun. Yeah, I mean, I think one consistent thing in all the lore about Supergirl is that she is actually technically supposed to be stronger or at least have a better, a more vast array of powers than Superman. Uh, Um, Not quite, like, because she's, you know, she's also Kryptonian, so she has the same power set. And I think from the comics, at least, the 60s origin was that she was older than him, but, you know, something went wrong and she didn't arrive until he was all grown up. Theory of relativity for the win. Um, we, uh, but uh, so just to just to clarify, I did read an article about recently in the comic. She apparently developed the power to expel kinetic energy from her body or something huh. like that, which is like so she acts so canonically in the comic book. Supergirl has additional powers that Kal El doesn't. Interesting. Um, huh. And I have seen. I forget which media it was. I want to say it was the animated series, which again, animated series, obviously not canon but this is like the animated series from the wb when bat when adventures of batman and superman was the big thing god i love that show oh yeah um but the supergirl in that show the way they explained i remember specifically the way they explained her delayed arrival kal-el being surprised at her at there being another kryptonian and all that sort of thing was that she and her family they are related but her family lived on a moon of krypton interesting um yeah so i don't Supergirl's comics history is insane in that there's been, like, nine different origin stories over the last 70 years. And, yeah, it's... Comics are insane. And I feel like Supergirl is much more, like, pliable based on the time in which her story is being told. Like, back in the 50s, she is very much, like, just a ditzy, like, sidekick to Superman. But, Mm. like, nowadays she's being, like, it is very much discussed, like... You know, she doesn't have the reputation that Superman does. She's still younger, but she is stronger than he is. Hmm. Yeah, I think... Um, Well, and the interesting thing that they hit on with her that the show also does is that she actually lived on Krypton and has memories of the place, whereas hmm. he doesn't. He was a baby. She was a child or teenager, depending on the origin story. Yeah, poor Superman. Mm -hmm. Just a just a sad little like that one episode where they saved people together and she was like she told the crowd that was watching them I used to change his diapers and he got real embarrassed (laughs) (laughs) poor Superman (laughs) indeed (laughs) that rules Uh, okay 
so. So tell me, so tell me about a shiny for this one. Oh, tell yeah. me about a Mag Cargo's uh, Supergirl. Well, so, <laughs> so Slugma's shiny is pretty cool because it's kind of a pewter. If I really want to be fancy, uh, we haven't seen many gray or silver shinies this far along, so this stands out very nicely. Mag Cargo's is weird because originally it was a blue body, which hey, that actually reflects what kind of a uh, color it should be with the temperature it's radiating uh, with a dark brown shell, but it has since changed to a grimacy purple with an orange brown shell. So I would like to talk a little bit about the grimace. As I said, we are recording on July 15th. July 18th, 2012 is the last known appearance of grimace from McDonald land. Uh, this is from the McDonald's fan wiki, which I think I've mentioned on here before. I love unusually specific and detailed fan wikis. Uh, so the McDonald's wiki claims, quote, Grimace was last seen at Dodger Stadium on July 18th, 2012, versus the Philadelphia Phillies dancing to Ram Jam's 1977 classic, Black Betty. Every word in that <laughs> sentence is amazing. And so... I mean uh, do we have anything we want to say about that? Just, like, the fact that it's been eight years since the Grimace disappeared. I mean, I'm pretty sure he went into hiding and came back to us in the form of Gritty. Did he go oh. into hiding and come back as Gritty? Like, he got plastic surgery on himself and this is a new identity? Or was he experimented on and transformed into Gritty against his will? See, I like that. I was going to go with just, like, a fugitive, like, dyeing his hair in the mirror of, like, a gas station, like, restroom. And then, but then I like your idea that it's kind of like a V for Vendetta thing also, where in the time he's been gone, he was experimented upon and came back to us as this, like, superhuman warrior. <laughs> G for Gritetta. G for Gritetta. Fucking love it. Uh, because Gritty... Gritty has ex has exhibited like super athletic abilities, <laughs> like <laughs> like for anyone, far less like for a dude in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Gritty punch a kid or something, and was probably right to do so? And oh, was yeah. acquitted. So <laughs> justice yes. for Gritty. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, so I was just trying well, to I, think, I was just trying to Google it. I found a photo of Gritty that's uh, that, of him holding a sign saying it's pronounced water, <laughs> not water. Oh yeah, that's true. That's really for you. Uh, Amazing. Yeah, I mean your theory holds because, as I said, last seen at Dodger Stadium versus the Phillies. So maybe some Phillies fans kidnapped him, took him back to Philadelphia, transformed him into Gritty. Uh, but. While looking up this information about Grimace, I came across a wonderful website called the Grimace Official Fan Club. Uh, oh, GrimaceFans.weebly.com. And it's one of those sites where you come across it and you're not sure, is this a joke or is this sincere? Because it says here, the destination for Grimace, serving up only the hottest, freshest Grimace content. I'm going to send the link to the chat and also, you know, I've said it on the air, so you should be able to find it yourself. Uh, so, the welcome page here, I just have to read this, and then you can find stuff on your own, both of you, as well as the audience at home. On this webpage, you will find several facets of the Grimace community. It is currently a work in progress, but over time, I would like to have this website feature the complete history, theories, fan art, and more of our favorite Purple Boy. 
We have a strict no cussing policy here at GFOC, so please respond accordingly by being entirely SFW. We are officially on Grimace Fans 2.0 after dying down due to some personal issues with the law, but we're back. I so, don't know if this is a gag or not, but I love this site already. So here's so here's my broader take on culture this, these days, <laughs> and I want to tie this into things like you know storming Area 51 and everything, which is that I feel like things like this either start out sincere or a joke. It doesn't matter which. Then people will join it for the other reason. So, like, if it starts out sincere, people join it as a joke and just kind of, like, enjoy the sincerity of it and, like, contributing to the sincerity of it, like, very innocently, but kind of, like, giggling under their breath while they're posting about it. Bacon is another example of this. And then it just kind of, like, it just becomes this, like, standoff where, like, because of social contract, it's like, oh, we're allowed to enjoy this ironically. There are some people enjoying this sincerely. And then, like... It escalates to the point where next thing you know, you're booking flights to New Mexico to start to run at Area 51 because you've just hit this like gentleman's contract of like, yeah, we're all here ironically, right? Or no, we're all here sincerely. Let's book that flight. Let's Naruto run at a fucking top secret army base. <laughs> uh, I feel like the only thing on the internet has, has somehow achieved perfect equilibrium in that regard is Frasier. Mm-hmm. Like, all the Fraser love on Twitter, especially, is kind of this weird mix of both ironic and sincere, with neither one really winning in the balance. Oh yeah, so there you go. And I mean, I, take it even down to like our close friends thread group, where you and Jerry very sincerely love Fraser. I love him somewhat ironically. I've never watched a single full episode of that show, but I still share in the love with you, just in the way I described, very <laughs> ironically. Um, I do. So I do want to ask, because this seems like the kind of thing Vice would have done as an article. Did they interview the guy or identify that guy from the famous photo of, like, the dude Naruto running through the, like, newscaster outside of Area 51? You guys you guys must know this. Anyway. I do not. I think I saw the video, but I don't know if they ever did any follow-up on that. It just seems like the kind of thing Vice would have done, like just like 100%. Like, oh, we're gonna find this guy. Hang on, I'll I'll send an I'll send a copy of the image to the uh, to the thread right now. Oh no, wait, somebody did write an article of it, but they didn't identify the guy. I remember Vice even Vice even tracked down that guy from that video. I, I think it's a uh, Brandon Wisman, who uh, who was the first person to hit the uh, smoke weed every day at the end of that Dr. Dre song perfectly on video, and then just <laughs> flipped out because of it. Um, Steph, welcome to the mad. Welcome to the madhouse. We have spent the last five minutes talking about anything but Pokemon. Well, <laughs> hey, Grimace is important. We need to find again, Grimace. Grimace is practically together, a Pokemon. The obvious thing that I'm realizing now is that Grimace, if he's not gritty, is in Area 51. Oh. <laughs> That is where grit. No, that is where Grimace was turned into gritty. Okay, oh this God. makes more sense now. Evolve, please. He evolved into gritty. God, I re- so I rewatched V for Vendetta, and I'm totally mapping it against the story where instead of being made in this like lab for genomic testing, it's Grimace being made in Area 51. My memory of <laughs> and that turned movie into is gritty. very vague. Is Natalie Portman going to fall so in it's love on... with Gritty? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think hopefully. who the Natalie Portman. Well, so it would be an equivalent of Natalie Portman. It would be a Natalie Portman type character, and I want to say it's Zenny Jarden who falls in love with Gritty. Oh. 
tell me what no. set you're from. I wish I didn't on. know who you were We're talking on. about. Uh, I'm moving on. No, we don't need to get into Kenny Jordan. Uh, so, uh, I love that you're even giving her like the full French pronunciation of yeah, the name we're Jardin. We're not talking about Jennifer Ham on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, so, Magcargo Shell is apparently cooled, hardened skin, which makes that bit about Slugma dying if it cools incredibly weird. Because this means that Magcargo has some dead parts that make up a shell. Oh, so maybe there it has to, like, dead. control its death. Once they come off, they're dead. That's fine. Huh. That's acceptable. I accept it. There we go. <laughs> the doc has pronounced this not abnormal. You ever think about how your bones are constantly wet? I think they're actually dry because I read a response to this about how, like, there's a membrane over the bones and then underneath them they're actually dry, which is why you have to, like, wet down bone saws during orthopedic surgery. Hmm. Oh, huh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> um, there we go. Way to yeah. quash that one. Sorry. <laughs> now, back to V for Vendetta. I do want to point out one terrible thing that I didn't realize because I was hungover. I was literally hungover as hell last Saturday, and I decided to put it on Netflix. And I just want to let you know that it's set in the UK, and they open with, like, this, you know, the standard thing of, like, the newscaster spreading propaganda. And he talks about how the United States of America has become the world's largest leper colony because of a plague that it allowed to get out of control. Well, shit. This, I watched this literally a week after oh, we started God. finding out about how many countries are barring us from traveling to them. <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. So, yeah. Um, v for Vendetta aged way better than it should have purely because of the circumstances that we're in. We should be able to sit here and say, oh, it's a mediocre movie. It makes no sense, doesn't hold up well. Instead, now we have to say it's fucking prescient. So yeah. here we are. Only right, green I'm can done. save us. <laughs> I'm done. Let's talk about some fucking pigs. Uh, real quick, going back to Mad Cargo, do we think it goes slow or fast? Because it looks like it should go really fast Ooh. based on the fact that its shell looks like a race car tire and it's got like you know flames coming off it so it seems like it should be really fast but it's also a snail say. so maybe it should be real slow because lava you know like Ooh. so i have a question for you then were you one of those kids that drew flames on your sneakers to run faster <laughs> <laughs> no because that would have involved me doing more physical activity than i was interested in doing as a, as a youth See, so the joke I always tell at this point is that I never drew flames on my sneakers to run faster. I drew lightning bolts because lightning is faster than fire. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, the rule. So I looked, and I don't know the... I don't know offhand, like, Pokemon stats in terms of what is good, but I can tell you that with a speed of 30, that's probably not good. <laughs> so this is a slow boy, as okay. it should be. He's slow. Also, while we're here, I, I do find it interesting that Magcargo, that's a two-foot-tall snail. Let's just really let that <laughs> marinate for a second. That is a snail that is coming up to your knees and then burning through them. <laughs> like, imagine imagine having a pet also that, like, if it tries to show you any kind of affection, it is destroying you. <laughs> <laughs> Like, at least they hand wave it away with, like, Ponyta with, like, the flaming mane. Like, oh, no, it can control the mane. 
Um, this guy is straight up like no, eighteen thousand well, degrees. Yeah, so I you're said, screwed. <clears throat> yeah, so we'll come back. I I don't want to spoil my um, I don't want to spoil my mon my mon's world. Uh, we'll come back to that. Um, but uh, but are we ready to move on to the piggy boys? Yes. Yeah, let's go. So All I right, looked up uh, the pronunciation uh, and. According to the anime, at least, it's Swinub and Pilo Swine. I thought, so I've, it's one of those things where, yet again, I have never said this name out loud. And as soon as I said it out loud, introducing it for Mon Mom, I immediately said, no, it's got to be a play on Swine. I totally just fucked that up. Hmm. Um, this is just your proof, guys, that we do not rehearse. This is not scripted. This is all live. You're getting us, you're getting us fresh off the cuff. Um... But yeah, I so first off, typing, uh, ice ground. Yeah, that's somehow. Type. Yeah, somehow still the only ice ground combination types that we have in the whole decks. I think it's great. It's interesting. It's unique. I like the fact that these are a play on like woolly mammoths, where it's like, oh, let's have woolly pigs. Um, <laughs> I love it. Woolly pi woolly piggy boys, and yeah. just add in the fact that they do like a little like uh, cousin it thing, where it's like just covered in hair, and all you see is a little cute like piggy nose. I adore it. It's a very simple design. You can, even a three year old could draw it. So. <laughs> oh yeah. You gotta have a couple of those. Yeah, I don't have much to say other than you know I think they're cute. They're goofy. Um. <laughs> I feel like you mentioned it with Slugma that it's very melted Yoshi. These are also part of a subgenre we found in Gen Two, where it's like this could look like a Yoshi's Island creature. Oh yeah, Swineub in particular, because I do point out my only thought that I really have on Pilliswine is that it's not as drastic a jump as Swineub. Like Swineub has that very Yoshi's Island feel, but Pilliswine feels very much like something out of like the original Star Wars trilogy. Like it has a very like bantha oh, creature yeah. that we would have seen in the background on hoth type of feel yeah um and then yeah apparently uh steph you caught the fact that it's apparent that pillow swine is somehow four feet tall yes. which is very big pig yes does not seem well if we're judging it in comparison to a woolly mammoth it's like four feet okay not that big but four feet tall for when you think about it, yeah, that's pretty tall for a pig. You would not want 30 to 50 feral pillow swines to come charging into your yard <laughs> at any point. My 30 to 50 feral pillow swines have unionized. <laughs> God. The level oh, of man, lore feel... you need to understand that joke. Oh, man. And yet we all do. And hey, any listeners who don't, we apologize that you're not constantly on Twitter. Um, we wish we were you. Yeah, pretty much. I am, um, but you know, I do. So four feet isn't like an unusual size for like a woolen animal. Llamas are about that size. But when you think about like the body mass of a pig, like a llama is like four feet tall and like yeah. life. This is like a Pigs four. Are... Yeah. A uh, yeah. Bulbapedia says three foot seven and one hundred twenty-three pounds. That is not heavy enough for a pig that doesn't sound right yeah yeah pigs That's are weird dense built creatures i mean we've had this issue before this is yeah steph welcome to the show this is my <laughs> this is usually my thing that i go off on rants about is like the size and weight of these things um the two foot tall slug 
I'm willing to let that slide. At this point, I've gotten I've gotten too tired of just hitting on every little thing. But yeah, I have three I have and a eradicate half. in Pokemon Go that I'm gonna look it up right now to see how tall and heavy it is because I have saved this thing since I want to say 2016. I've had this eradicate just because <laughs> its dimensions are so bizarre because <laughs> it's like super super tall. But its weight is way less than most of them. So as soon as this loads, I'm going to tell you what it is. Because it's just total nonsense that this particular height and weight combination came up. Especially when you look at Eradicate being, like, you know, round. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, a go- Eradicate is a goddamn unit <laughs> yeah. of a Pokemon. And I mean, we are, so we are fans of Raticate, especially like the Alolan variant, just because it's, uh, just because it looks like a Godfather rat. Um, and Michael Darling just came back on the screen with the Godfather cat. How you doing? Um, yeah. Uh, my pet cat here was being a jerk and meowing outside the door, so I thought I'll just let him in. Aww. Hey, Marlo. How you doing? Shout out to Marlo. Okay, so this Raticate yeah. is 0.88 meters, and it weighs okay. 2.07 kilograms. So it's extra small in weight and extra large in height. Yeah, that makes no sense. I'm, like, picturing that now, like, 0.88 meters, and then, yeah, it's a skinny boy. It's very, fl- it's, like, so So now I'm just basically picturing a Raticate that somehow slimmed <laughs> down and uh, looks a little bizarre. bit more like a weasel than eradicate Ugh. do not care for that no neither do i mm. um it's always it's always really telling to me again when we uh when we start talking about other pokemon more than the pokemon that we're supposed to be discussing but michael uh tell us about this shiny that you say in the notes is crazy yeah uh well i mean it's not like crazy it's just weird in terms of the changes over the years uh oh god so swine up was originally blue with kind of reddish black stripes uh, in terms of its shiny. And then it went pewter. Hey, big pewter week this week. Uh, and then now it's got kind of an olivey tint to it. It's, yeah, it's weird. It's weird that there's multiple changes over the generations. Uh, Pilot I mean, Swine, on the other hand, has been solid gold all day, and it's so good. I mean, see, I hesitate. So I'm looking it up right now. I hesitate to call Pilot Swine um, gold per se, I'd call it highlighter yellow. Like, it's very distinctly a different shade than what I would consider gold. Hmm. Um, and I love that. Like, I love the fact that it is, like, this particular iridescent neon shock-you-awake yellow. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, there's... A, I found a picture looking it up uh, that where somebody drew it very much in the style of, like, the Angry Birds uh, <laughs> pigs. It's adorable. That's a good um, guy. But yeah, I you know I, I'm glad that we had that run of uh, shinies where like every shiny was just going defaulting to more or less like the same palette swap, and so I'm glad that we're getting a little bit more variety this week with the shinies, um, which is fine. Like these guys are cute. Um, I like the concept. I'm glad that there aren't any weird. It's weird to me that they tried to do so much lore and like attempt at biology with the slugs and then we get to swine up and pillow swine and it's just like ice ground here they are like there's nothing on these pokemon yeah um yeah they can sniff stuff they just okay kind of, yeah 
yeah. they get an evolution in Gen 4. We'll get to that later, though. Yep. yep. Um, any closing thoughts on the Piggy Boys yeah. before we go into our Piggy Bank? I think, like, the hair over the eyes for Pilo Swine is a fun gag. Reminds me of uh, Sam Sheepdog from Looney Tunes, but... Oh, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, yeah, not much to say. They're fine. They're fine. Steph, closing mm. thoughts? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so I have, I remember, I think it was a couple episodes ago, I did ask Michael, do we have any dual water rock types? And here we come to, I believe, just the first of others that we will eventually meet. But, uh, well, not, not exactly, because the fossils in Gen 1 were, for the most part, water rock. Oh, good point. Yeah. Um, so, Corsola. Yeah. Tell us about it. Uh, Water Rock. But here's the interesting thing. This is our first Pokemon that we've seen since the release of Sword and Shield uh, to have a Galarian form, uh, which is Ghost. Just pure Ghost. Uh, and, yeah, the Ghost version is super bleak because it's a Pokemon that's been affected literally by climate change. Uh, in the Shield Pokedex, it says, Sudden climate change. Change? <laughs> sudden climate change wiped out this ancient kind of Corsola. The Pokemon absorbed others' life force through its branches. It's Bleach Coral. And the reaction when they revealed this Pokemon was simultaneously, that's so brilliant. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, it's super bleak, like I said. Um, the fact that, oh, let's create a Pokemon that addresses how terribly we're polluting the world. Uh. I mean, we've dealt with pollution Pokemon, but, you know, when we look into the lore for Muck and Grimer, they're pollution Pokemon that clean pollution away and survive on eating our pollution, which is moderately bleak. <laughs> this guy straight up has a whole new type that came into being. Um, a whole new variant that came into being because we are so shitty. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really, <laughs> it's really cute. Yeah, like so, so if we keep doing I, climate change, we'll keep creating more of this new cute variety, right? <laughs> Precisely. I, that's the thing that works so well is that I think Corsola is just such a pure. The original form is just such a pure, like, cute thing. And I looked up its height; it is two feet tall, which is so, so big for a little coral thing that I always assumed was much smaller. Um, and it's just as big as our uh, flaming slug. Um, I do want to point out that that one little detail is that Corsola, uh, its normal, its regular type is uh, is depicted smiling, and its ghost type is clearly depicted frowning, which is just so heartbreaking and adorable yeah. to me. <laughs> it's not even like a pronounced or very defined frown. It's just like literally like a little V, and it's just <laughs> it's just like one of those little touches, which is just like all right. Yeah. Um, Steph, you brought up a great point about the typing in terms of, like, we've talked about the logic of, like, type weaknesses and stuff like that. I totally agree with you in the notes. Uh, I th I do, th now that I think about it, it's weird that water is Water should to totally be weak to yeah. poison because poison will just ruin the water. Yeah, and I feel like a Pokemon that is a water type should have a more, like, aqueous, uh, you know, body physiology that allows poison to distribute faster in its system. I don't like you know. I mean, obviously, I mean, I think they take that into consideration with rock typing, where rock types aren't vulnerable to poison if not resistant to it, right? Uh, I'm looking at a type chart right now. Uh, yeah, like rock resists poison. Yeah, which makes yeah, sense. So, so I feel like by that same logic, but I guess they were trying to avoid it being too much like a rock paper scissor thing. Well, you know, 
hey, if water is strong against rock and rock is strong against this, then water should be weak to that. So I think they were trying to avoid too many triads no, is what it comes yeah. down to. Um, but we've talked at length about how weird some of the uh, some of the type weaknesses are. This is probably the less egregious of them. Um, although, yeah, I mean, we've already covered in earlier Pokemon today that the Pokemon folks could clearly use a doctor <laughs> like you on the team. Yeah. Just, to, just somebody. I need just, to just you know have you send working them on my what? Resume like, hey, I can work from here. Just bring me on as your biological advisor because some of these numbers that you're pulling out of your butt do not make sense. <laughs> I was like, I was literally, I was literally just picturing you doing your actual current job in a corner of their office, and then like every now and then somebody would just shout at you like, "Hey, does this make sense? <laughs> if we have a Pokemon that like eats with its feet, <laughs> like an Andalite." There we what go. Is an yes, uh, it's the uh, it's the it's the creatures from um, Animorphs that were fighting the Yurks. Oh my god. I should have known See, Animorphs would come up eventually. I love Animorphs. I've brought it up multiple times on the podcast. Um, Darling read the letter that uh, that oh, Applegate yeah. wrote Ooh, yeah. uh, explaining the super bleak ending to it's the series. It's perfect in relation to describing, talking about like the ghost Corsola version. Just like, here's some bleak stuff for you. Deal with it. Yeah. I, like I mean, K. it's one Applegate. Pokemon. K. Applegate Sorry, went out on yeah, you don't like that? Fuck you. That's what you're going to have to live with. And then J.K. Rowling goes from, oh, well, did you know about this? To eventually, hello, I'm a bigot. Yep. And Fuck also, her. wizards yeah. pooped Fuck their pants that... for like 1,500 years, so. <laughs> <laughs> Just like all she had to do was stop tweeting. All she had to do was stop tweeting. Yeah. She tweeted herself Can't out of a legacy. Like, pay people to. to push you around on your pool float when you're that rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, I mean, is anybody actually looking forward to another Fantastic Beasts movie at this point? Like, no. are they still making it? I don't know. Like, I didn't see the second one because you know the depth of it was not promising. The only yeah. Fantastic Beasts I want are Pokemon. Hey, that's good advertising. All right, let's get it, let's get ourselves back onto some happier topics. You mean uh, dying coral? Yes, that is actually happier to me right now. Um, tell me about tell me more, you, darling. You've got a litany of facts oh, yeah. uh, here about this uh, about this coral guy. Dive in. I mean, Corsola. I, like, I fell in love with this one when it was revealed in Gen Two because it's just so cute. Like, it's aggressively cute. Uh, there is a... The first card it had in the trading card game was kind of a clay sculpture image of Corsola, and it's one of my favorite illustrations. Because it looks like, you know, imagine Pokemon the Claymation series. This is what that Pokemon would look like in this. Uh, Baloo will share the link in the show notes. Um, mm -hmm. In less happy news, we'll go to one of my favorite things, Pokies eating token. <laughs> wow. One of my favorite things, pokies eating pokies. Uh, so in Alola, we learn that uh, Marini, which is a Pokemon kind of based on the crown of thorns starfish, is the Corsola's natural predator. So there was a mechanic in the Gen 7 games where if you're fighting a wild Pokemon, they might call another Pokemon for backup. Usually it's like, you know, if you're fighting um, like an Oddish, 
another Oddish will show up or something like that. So, in Corsola's case, though, sometimes it would summon Corsolas, but on rare occasions, it would summon a Marini that would start attacking the Corsola rather than your Pokemon. What? Yeah. How common was that? Was that like an Easter egg type of thing? Like it happened like maybe one in three, like as often as a shiny would get summoned? Or was it something that was you were more or less guaranteed to see wandering around? Uh, I think it was like, it was not uncommon, but I feel like it was the only Pokemon that had that possibility of having a Pokemon that would attack it instead of attacking you, the player. And that's awesome. I, but I feel like that should, I, and I honestly feel like that should happen more often in like a in like a viable ecosystem where it's like, oh, if you're attacking like this giraffe Pokemon, guess what? The Panther Pokemon is going to see it and take advantage. <laughs> like that does oh, happen. Oh no! You summoned a Slugma um, and roasted yourself. Yep. <laughs> this Slugma just decided to wander <laughs> through while you were having a battle to see what was going on and just burned you <laughs> to cr to a crisp. Oh. Yeah, so I think that's one of my favorite little in-jokes in the game, is that this poor, adorable little coral Pokemon will get attacked if you are... Well, if it summons a Pokemon to back it up. Uh, and yeah, like I think I've said everything I already want to say about the poor Galarian Corsola, uh, which has an evolution that is an even sadder piece of coral. We'll get to that in several years when we eventually get to Gen 8, assuming the sea levels haven't risen by that point. Let's jump ahead to the only Pokemon today that I hate. Oh, I just have and to I'm... say something about the shiny for Corsola. The shiny Corsola is interesting because it's baby blue, and it's just as cute as normal form. Uh, the shiny Galarian Corsola has its colors, and I say colors in quotation marks here, reversed, so it's got kind of a ghostly body with bright white horns. I like... So I like the shiny Corsola because it has a very, like, ice cream mascot feel oh. that I didn't expect it to. Um, like, it definitely looks like it should be on the side of, like, an ice cream van, like, next to a popsicle of itself. And it contrasts well with the millennial pink of the regular version. Ooh, millennial <laughs> pink. It is, the, it is the color of the girl's logo from the HBO show. Oh, no. <laughs> uh. Voice of a generation. I fucking hate when people were calling her that. Uh. I still stand by the fact that uh, back when the first season of Girls came out, a friend of mine told me to watch it because Lena Dunham was the voice of our generation, our generation. I want to emphasize that. Yeah. I watched half an episode, and I said, I feel insulted if that is what people think the voice of our generation is. I feel that. Um, so let's move on to something that I should be angry about on this show, which is Pokemon. <laughs> Tell me about the dumb, about the dumb Remora fish, darling. <laughs> uh, the dumb Remora fish and its dumb octopus evolution, better known as Remoraid and Octillery, are both pure water types. So, uh, at first, it doesn't seem to make any sense because we've got a Remora that evolves into an octopus. So I'm going to ask you, what was the, the unifying theme here that got cut from the original demo into the final game? So that's my whole thing, and we, we kind of ran into this uh, last generation with Venonat and Venomoth feeling like they kind of missed a step. I mean, back then I said it was just like, I feel like this should have had a third cocoon stage also. But um, but in this one, it just makes no sense yeah. why these two are linked evolutionarily. Yeah, there's an actual answer here. So do either of you have Can a guess? I, I would like to state my guess, which is that since... The Remora has a sucker to attach to sharks, and 
octopi have suckers, the unifying theme is that they both suck. <laughs> oh, man. There it I is. I like that. I like that. But no, no. Baloo, anything? No, I've got nothing. The sucker thing sounds amazing. Okay, well, I'm linking you to a Kotaku article that is called One Unused Pokemon Concept Was Just a Gun. <laughs> because Remora was supposed to look kind of like a fish revolve. Sorry, Remoraid was supposed to look like a fish revolver, and Octillery was kind of supposed to look like a octopus. It doesn't tank. look like an octopus tank. What does it look like? It to you? looks a little bit like it's got a penis head. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I like the hes- I like the hesitation there. Like it looks a little bit like it's. Can I say this? Yeah, I was trying <laughs> you're to allowed to say it. Don't worry. Which word do I want to use? I mean, here? there's I mean, so many options. Yeah. I mean, now that you're saying it, since you're since you're going in that direction too, I will straight up say that both both of these design concepts of the gunfish and the tank octopus just look like different angles of an uncircumcised penis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree. <laughs> but yeah, so looking at this, you suddenly see I'm not defending these designs. I think they were horrible in the original stage and in the uh, eventual release stage. But you can now see what they were going for. They were going for Gunfish Becomes Tank Octopus. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there's a there's a thematic link that they apparently ditched because how terrible... Because that just raises so many terrible oh, yeah. existential questions of like, wait, why are these why are these creatures evolving to look like man-made tools? Which we've already come across, but like, man-made tools of destruction, really? These are fish. How are these ocean-based creatures seeing a gun? Like, it's not like a magnet that came to life. That's already baffling <laughs> enough. Jesus Christ, I'm just giving myself a headache. I hate these Pokemon. Yeah. I hate them. Yeah. I mean, they're <laughs> they awful. They look dumb. They're boring. They have no redeeming qualities whatsoever. It's just nothing about them. Yeah. And the even even Octillery being taken away from its original tank intention, its original tank intention is straight up a creature from a Super Mario game, and then like its current form is literally from Mega Man X, the octopus stage in Mega Man X. Like that is straight up just wholesale theft. <laughs> yeah, they're not great, Bob. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is are we supposed to love this franchise right now? Because I'm feeling I'm not feeling a lot of that right now. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we're ending this episode with the worst Pokemon in this generation, probably. Yeah, I also so another thing that I found in researching Octillery is the fact that like in the show, oh, Octillery yeah, is, is shown making sushi, which is just terrifying. That this thing is apparently like I don't know, a species trader or something. Um, Anyway, it's it's just terrifying that they have a well, fish make cooking and cutting up other fish to serve to humans. I it's feel just... like that's a weird trope, though, because in Monsters, Inc., at Harryhausen's, the uh, sushi bar, the monster behind the sushi uh, table is an octopus. Hmm. Also terrible. I'm going to call that terrible. It's, <laughs> I, so I immediately got reminded of that scene in The Social Network where it becomes a whole thing that, like, Andrew Garfield's character apparently fed a chicken chicken. Um, so I, so I, I just think it's the same thing. I think you're, I think you're tormenting that poor creature by having it serve up its own ocean. Mr. Brethren. Peanut sold other peanuts and was 
killed off and then reincarnated. Was he reincarnated or is this his son <laughs> for it? I don't know. But. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, oh, God. Yeah, that baby nut thing was the funniest thing to me just because, like, it was so clearly an advertising firm saw Baby Yoda and thought, oh, we can do that too. And then the internet just rejected it, saying, fuck you, we don't want your baby peanut. So there's this great journalist and politics writer um, named Jared Yates Sexton, who I've followed since the uh, 2016 election. Um, he's written a bunch of great books uh, about, you know, the, like, the particular circumstances in his cultural history in America since the Reagan era, <laughs> and just offers up a lot of great perspective on midwestern especially like middle white america and why they're so bought in and what their beliefs are in terms of evangel and evangelicalism and things like that that are playing out in this current moment um he's brilliant and he also has a story that apparently because of his you know notoriety and fame for that sort of writing he does occasionally get contacted to consult on marketing things uh -oh. and he says that when he saw the baby peanut ad he remembered offhandedly that while he was working on his curriculum for his upcoming college course that he teaches he got a call from a marketing person that asked him if he'd be willing to take place in a study and he said listen i can't participate and do a full consultation for you know the next three months if you want to talk to me though i'll talk to you for half an hour for free while I'm, if you don't mind me doing some work while we're doing it. So he was like very much like half there and not totally there. And he says he only remembered the conversation when he saw Mr. Baby Peanut on TV. And he says that he actually offered up like a very thoughtful breakdown of why Mr. Peanut is not an identifiable mascot because of his trappings and accoutrements of old money aristocracy. Oh, yeah. And a bygone era of like wealth and things like that that they should move away from. And he said that people are looking for something that feels more nascent, more identifiable, and more innocent to latch onto these days. And thus, Baby Peanut. Is God. He 100% took, he wanted, He like 100% said, like, listen, do I think I'm 100% to blame for this? No, but I definitely said a lot of things that show up in that ad. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I remember when they briefly considered pulling the uh, Mr. Peanut Super Bowl ad because it was going to be his funeral and Kobe Bryant had just died. So they were like, oh, well, man. people are going to associate these two things, obviously, right? Right? Please? Oh, man, that's like the Mr. SpaghettiOs 9-11. Oh, God, that was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it was Pearl Harbor, which makes it even funnier to me. Oh, yeah. Um, press F to pay respects, my man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't have much more to say about these two, like, they're not interesting in their own right. They're just interesting because of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, Remoraid's the only Pokemon to appear in another Pokemon sprite because it's part of the lore that they ride under the fins of Mantines. So in mm -hmm. two of the generations, the sprite from Mantine has a little Remoraid under one of its fins. Um, oh, that's really cute. Yeah. And uh, on the shiny front, Remoraid was blue uh, naturally in uh, gold and silver, and then had a pitch black shiny that looked great and made the most interesting thing about this Pokemon. So they fucking changed it. And now it's bluish gray naturally with another purple tinted shiny, which mm -hmm. I'm getting tired of. And yep. shiny artillery has always been kind of all of drab. Very military. 
yeah, purple and green tend to be the most common shinies that we see, and at this point we're getting kind of tired of them. Um, you know, shiny, I, I guess the main thing that they're trying to say is, like, a shiny doesn't need to be an interesting color, it just needs to be the just fact that it's a different it's color. A different color. But yeah. Even if, that, Put even if it's always the it. same different color. Yep, but I don't really want to continue getting angry and, you know, exacerbating my <laughs> yeah. blood pressure or whatever it is. Steph, anything um, I will say that this makes me realize why I had a craving for sushi tonight. Because I have read your <laughs> comments about the Octillery serving sushi, and it lived up to Octillery-inspired sushi. It was not very good. I was really disappointed. <laughs> so, curse you, Octillery. All right. Uh, if we're ready, I think we can move into our closing segment. Yeah. Mr. Darling. Okay. Uh, it's time for Mon's World. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is my so this is where we talk about uh, what the Pokemon would be doing if they existed in our world. Uh, so I'm going to lead us off. Um, you know, I think swine, like I compared them to llamas, especially Pilliswine's size. Like I think Swineup and Pilliswine would be raised for their coats. I hate to say it, but like as bleak as I call the depiction in the Pokemon TV show of Octillery serving sushi... Guess what? It's a bleak fucking world we live in. Octillery <laughs> would probably be doing that. Instead of, like, a float sushi, it would be Octillery, like, serving you sushi. That would be the big gimmick. And um, then it would say the Flintstones thing of, it's a living. Of course. And then I would also like to point out that we have not one, but two war criminals this episode. I am not a war criminal. Octo no, not you. Jeez. Uh, no, How I've called other Pokemon potential. <laughs> yeah, very suspect. Uh, it's that uh, people are asking me a lot of things about my t-shirt that the t-shirt already answers. <laughs> um, I, uh, but no, Octillery would 100% be, because of his like tank and military and artillery expertise, would be a war criminal. Yeah. But I think even more so, I called out that Mag Cargo, given his super hot temperature, you just have to like lower one of those into a bunker <laughs> and close the door behind it, and then it just turns a bunker into a fucking oven. And so it probably just like kills people to death by like baking them at 18,000 <laughs> degrees underground. And all the while, it's still grueling need to open like the door. Egg. You can just melt his way through. Yeah. And all the while, it's still just grueling and scaring him blankly. Yep. And then it comes back out, looks at its human with those sweet googly eyes, and asks, did I do good? <laughs> and the human says, yes, you did, boy. Now don't come within five feet of me. <laughs> hey, social distancing. All right. Uh, so, darling, what do you think they're doing in the real world? Uh, just a quick one. Uh, according to the Pokedex entries, Swinub apparently sniffs out mushrooms under dead trees and leaves. So this is a truffle hunter right here. Hmm. Yeah. Old truffle and pig. Corsola probably would be the symbol of the World Wildlife Fund on Poke Earth. Aw. Do we have a panda Pokemon now that I think about it? Yeah, but not for a while. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. All right, Steph, what are they doing in the real okay, world? Okay, here is my... <laughs> dissertation i'm looking at this guys this is a <laughs> dissertation compared to what i'm going line up and pilot line so i agree with the comments that they would probably be used for their fiber since it's gonna be like nice and thick and gonna be great for making sweaters and all that stuff um but i'm really curious since it they have swine in the name and they have their little piggy noses and they sniff out truffles but based on like the size and shape Pyloswine looks like it would be kind of more similar to 
a yak or some kind of mountain goat. Hmm. So this is why I started thinking that it was going to be a dairy animal and it would be, you would have like pyloswine milk and pyloswine butter and cheese. And this is when I, of course, started thinking way too much about (laughs) Pokemon reproduction and whether Pokemon, in fact, do lactate, like, because they hatch from eggs. (laughs) So, how does that work? Because actual regular mammals, like the platypus or the echidna that hatch from eggs, don't have the requisite nipples or teeth that would be used to actually collect this milk that would be used to make pyloswine butter or cheese. So really we need to see what's underneath all that fur for me to make a good evaluation (laughs) of whether pyloswine would be a useful dairy animal. Share your notes, (laughs) Professor Oak. This is a scientific community. Um, no, I mean, that's a good point, and especially because, like, we do have, like, only one... We have only one Pokemon that is noted and yes. notable Miltank clearly like, has an outer, but Nuzleaf also appears to have some nips, so... Really? Yes, and it's always been a point of concern for me. So, <laughs> I just... A point of concern, <laughs> folks. I will confirm. I will confirm. Uh, again, this is a scientific community. I will confirm the findings that yes, Nuzleaf very much has like very intentional. Yes. Oh my God, you're right. For, for no nipples and parachute pants. <laughs> they just made that. Why did they go in and make it, those? Two they dots? really didn't need to be there. Like Machop doesn't have it. I was. Yeah. Even in the 3D models, it's mm-hmm. very much there. Like, yeah, none of the other topless fighting Pokemon that we've met have it. Like, what? Oh my this world. <laughs> this because world. then we have Kangaskhan, which, even when it hatches, has a miniature Kangaskhan in its pouch, which is that a separate baby. That's also existentially Kangaskhan, terrifying. Or is it simply a second head? So, this just gets into a whole lot of issues that I've... Yeah. Machoke has what's clearly text, but there's no Correct. Nips. Yeah, when we discussed uh, Kangaskhan back in the uh, back in the you know episode for that one, I think I landed on that. I just look at that baby Kangaskhan as like not a separate creature; it's just an extra attachment, like the alien head inside the alien mouth mm-hmm. that comes out. Hmm. Except instead, it's positioned as if it's a little baby in a pouch. Yeah. I don't think they actually well, come out. Bring it back to Animal Crossing. Meg and I have reached an agreement that we will not take in any kangaroo villagers because all the female mm. kangaroos have a joey in their pouch that is never commented on, but they just, you know, mm. have this little kangaroo head out in front of their bellies and it's just weird and disturbing and we do not care for it. Yeah, when new villagers started moving to my island on day three, that's when I realized I needed to get rid of the game. <laughs> I think it was that. I think that was the inciting incident when I was told to like assemble all the goods to like help furnish their homes for their lazy asses. And like I think that's when like I took a look around and realized, okay, I've already expanded my home three times in three days. I have already filled out these new neighbors' homes for them, even though I am apparently responsible for my own shit. Um, and. I'm not getting any thanks here except for more work. 
no, I need to stop this right now. <laughs> um, I have this is this is socialism as the Trumps think it works. <laughs> I have one note about Nuzleaf's nipples. That I just have to address. Uh, <laughs> I searched Nuzleaf nipples, and I came upon a Reddit thread which is simply, "Why does Nuzleaf have nipples?" Uh, and the top response was, "How else do we get on?" <laughs> Uh, okay, Steph, take us home on Mon's world. What do you, what, 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 what would the other Pokemon be doing yeah, in this world? So I don't really talk have, about Pokemon. From numbers. the notes, we seem to have more lactation stuff to go through first. I, I can <laughs> I can stop with that. I like I oh this is what like I about. said yesterday. I had two hard ciders and decided to look into this, delve into this information, and just <laughs> really got started. Um, but. Really, I think that uh, people would buy Swinub as pets for their kids since they're nice and little and cute. And then when their kids Swinubs evolved into Piloswine, it would be like, you know, when the little teacup pigs get bigger and there would be like the rescue farms with, oh, here's our Piloswine that the families got them and then they got too big and the parents made the kids get rid of them. Yeah, I mean, how do you hit B on a Pokemon evolving in real life, like in the world of Detective Pikachu, I wonder? Yeah. Um, do you just, like, I mean, I, the only thing I can think of is, like, do you just, like, poop it in the nose? <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> um, Whenever Marlo looks had, like he's but, about to evolve, I just poop him on the nose, so. But hang on, you, Steph, in your notes, you have some other, you do have an interesting follow-up about mink fur. Uh, compared to Piloswine fur, can you uh, can you explain okay? That so to I think us? that Piloswine would have, like you said, the alpaca um, or like a sheep fiber that isn't really fur, where instead of you know having to kill it and skin it, you would just be able to shear it every year, and then mm -hmm. you would end up with a nice sheared Piloswine every year, presumably huh. in the spring. And then you can make more sweaters every year from your pillow oh, line. I do love the fact that you apologize at the end of these notes uh, saying not to be a downer. After, <laughs> after they're adopting these as anticipate. pets and then abandoning them? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I think you just also didn't anticipate how much of a downer I would be on this episode, too. <laughs> it's 2020. Uh. I should have known. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take this in a positive direction. Uh, so let's talk about how we would change these Pokemon for the better. Welcome to Mon Mon. All right. So this is the section where we talk about one change we would make to either typing, design, family. What do we think could improve the Pokemon of today? Uh, I'll be very quick to start off. Just cut. Just separate Remoraid and Octillery. It just bothers me that without that, you know, thematic link, that they don't need to still be tied together. There's, no, there's nobody expecting Remoraid to evolve into Octillery. I was surprised when I looked at it um, and found out that they're evolutionary tied. Just break that off. Make them their own things. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Darling, what do you want to do? Um, yeah, I mean, I like that idea. I think I'd change their typing and make them water slash steel to reflect the, you know, gun artillery thing that they had going on originally hmm. so yeah it's like i feel like we all want to change these two because they're just so terrible bland <laughs> yeah 
we're all pretty much on the same page. Staff, if you want to bring us home with I your take on this. I would make their color scheme more uniform between the two of them, and I think that I would change Remoraid's fins to, like, tentacles, so then it would have the hmm. tentacle theme. Because it's not weird that. for Pokemon to have their arms and legs move around or grow some extra ones, so do it with tentacles, too. Alright, so that brings us to our closing and my favorite segment of every episode, Mr. Darling. Mon appetit. If you'd like my personal crack medicine. Mm -hmm. Surprise. Alright, so this is what you had to drink two hard ciders for to get ready for last night. <laughs> no, this is where I had the first hard cider and then opened the document and went, whoa! <laughs> I need another drink. <laughs> well, uh, so let's hope that drinking worked out well. Uh, what are you eating and how would you like it prepared? I am going to crack open a grilled corsola and dip the Ooh. meat inside in some pillow swine butter. All right. Darling, you've kept yours a secret. Darling did not write his into the dock, which means he has a very good idea. Oh, no, so it I'm doesn't. Gonna... It means I was trying to think of something and I didn't really come up with anything, but... Yeah, I mean, no, I've just put you I on the spot. <laughs> artillery is the obvious one. Calamari would be delicious. That's a lot of octopus there. Um, yeah, I mean, or we yeah. have talked about the fact that octopi and octopuses are very, very startlingly smart. I actually read an article. I think it was last night. Scientific American did an article about the fact that uh, octopus that there are three orders of octopuses or something like that that apparently reorder their RNA at like a rate unseen on earth that's freaky. like most creatures can reorder their rna like maybe a thousand times in a given like organism or like cell cluster uh in their nervous system octopuses will do it a hundred and fifty thousand times like they do it at a rate like over a hundred times any other creature on earth so octopuses continue to be terrifying um they are <laughs> extremely smart avoid eating them if you can please um I also, I personally thought uh, calamari was a little bit too easy. Um, so I came up with a little bit of a three-course meal involving three of our boys today. <laughs> um, I said, so I'm actually going to add corsola to this. Like, give me some, give me like a rub made out of like, so a dried up brittle slugma. Grind that up, grind it up with some corsola, turn that into a rub for a swine up steak, and cook that swine up steak on the Magcargo shell. <laughs> like just flash sear it on that 18,000 degree shell you always somehow find a way to make this both delicious and also sadistic yes <laughs> that's the goal baby um, <laughs> Steph thank you so much for coming on and tolerating this madness <laughs> thank you for having me um, while you're here uh, where can people find you uh, do you have anything you want to plug anything you want to share with the folks at home uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair, totally fine. Yeah. All right, Michael, what have you got going on? Uh, well, I'm going to keep hunting for Grimace. It has been eight years. We need to find Grimace. All right. We well, know you're uh, out there, I... buddy. All right. Well, it's about time for me to go do my patrol around the city in my gritty costume. So <laughs> I don't have a whole lot else to plug. Uh, I do have my Heroes Rewatch podcast uh, still going. Uh, we've just reached the uh, the episode where uh, everybody converges on the homecoming dance in Texas to save Ooh. the cheerleader. 
Um, so things are getting exciting. Hey, you know um, who we should be saving? Grimace. Grimace is going to save us. But I don't have a whole lot else going on, so uh, so everybody stay safe, wear your masks. We can get through this. Be smart. Uh, anything else to say, guys? No. Nope. Alright. Well then, I have been Yonato Blue. And I'm hunting Grimace. Thanks for being not here. Not for sport. Not for sport. <laughs> I mean, just I'm just for trying fun. to find it. Let me see that donkey roll.